Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. One of the most anticipated television events of the year makes its debut this weekend. Dexter, New Blood. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. Another one of the most anticipated television events of the year makes its debut as well. It's season four of Yellowstone. Plus... Marvel could be facing its first failure in a long time. We'll tee up their latest movie, Eternals. So, how are you feeling right now? Well, it's been a whirlwind. Eight years after the series ended its eight-season run, Dexter New Blood is set to debut this weekend on Crave on Sunday night. If you don't know who Dexter Morgan is, he's a serial killer, but he's got a moral code. He only kills bad guys. It was a great show with a terrible ending, widely seen as one of the worst endings in television history, with Dexter disappearing from Miami to go be a lonely lumberjack. So here they are giving us this limited series in an attempt to give Dexter a proper send-off. It's set 10 years after the original show ended. He's now moved to the fictional small town of Iron Lake, New York. Hey, Mr. Lindsay. Becca, Scott. Go Hawks! This is my life. Who's that? Lost kid. No bodies, no pattern. People don't just disappear. There's always a reason. Dexter disappeared. He's been able to keep his dark passenger at bay as well as he has blended in over the years, but something's about to happen that could reawaken the darkness. If she's right, how many other victims are there? I don't know. You are a serial killer. You love that you're getting away with murder and you cannot wait to kill again. Have you learned nothing? The Dark Passenger, by the way, is what Dexter calls his urge to kill, and he has avoided the urge to kill since he has been in Iron Lake under a different identity. I've been excited about this for months, so I'm sad to see that it has a 60% Rotten Tomato rating with such headlines as, This 10-episode series isn't awful, but it's also pointless. I'm still going to watch it. I don't care. It's a scary world out there. Walk among us. I might still be a monster, but I'm an evolving monster. What are you doing? Are you Dexter Morgan? It's me, your son. Harrison. You gonna watch this, Jeff? 
Oh yeah, I am going to watch this. I'm I'm very curious to see because, like you said, that finale for the show was just terrible. That sad lumberjack thing at the end was it was laughable, really. So I'm sort of glad that even if you know this is pointless, the point of it will be that the last thing we've seen about Dexter won't be him looking like a sad lumberjack. So it's already a winner in that regard, I think. And uh, I guess we just heard his kid there, and he faked his own death in the the ending too right so i don't think we'll see a whole lot of the cast from the miami part of the show back here which is too bad because the i can't remember his name but the cop with the that always wore the loud uh, hawaiian shirts i, I li- really like that guy but i guess if he sees dexter then it's uh, game over for dexter yeah that's true and his sister <laughs> deb who also died in this series she is now playing his conscience so to speak like he would speak to his late father harry uh, but that actor has died. So now his sister has stepped in to fill that surrogate role. I yeah. That's good. She was the best part of the show many times, so it's uh, good they found a way to get her back into it. Except when they made her fall in love with him, which was yeah. insane. Like That, that must- was the... Uh, that was the... Uh, uh, d- d- like when Joey fell in love with uh, Rachel on Friends. Yeah, yeah. Like that, I get that they're not related by blood. He was adopted into the family, but still, like they they grew up as brother sister. So for her to suddenly fall in love with him, it just felt like a cruel joke the writers were playing on the actors who played Dexter and Deb because they were married in real life and then they got divorced in real life all during the course of making that show. So when they did that, I just thought. Somebody is playing a sick joke, and we're all losing because of it. We're all losing. It was a terrible, terrible storyline, so they have a lot to atone for. So It's an important lesson for uh, actors out there. Be nice to the writers because your fate is in their hands, and they can make you do the most uncomfortable stuff possible. Oh, the guy th- threw his coffee at me. I guess, uh, looks who's about to you know, become a lion tamer in this show. <laughs> So Dexter starts Sunday night on Crave. And uh, another big one, as you pointed out, Jeff. Yep, Yellowstone back with its fourth season this weekend on Amazon Prime Video. Hey, you're John Dutton, aren't you? Yep. Uh, That's not mine. It's addressed to you. Wait, I don't know what that is. Don't. Don't you die on me now. I like this. You hear me? Oh, my God. So what is Yellowstone about? Well, the name Yellowstone is the name of this monstrously big ranch in Montana owned by Kevin Costner and his family, the Duttons. And the show is about them trying to keep their thing going. They have issues with cattle and the Crow Nation next door. And there's issues with land developers and energy companies and banks and governors and all sorts. Frankly, it's a bit like a violent Western version of succession because most of the characters have some less than noble qualities about them. And the siblings spend a lot of time squabbling and they're all under the thumb of their father, even though they really don't have to be. If they don't want to be, they could, they're could. they all rich. You could just move away. You don't need to be put up with that kind of thing. Um, the show was co-created and written by Taylor Sheridan. He's a terrific writer who wrote the movies Sicario, Hell or High Water, and Wind River. And if you like those movies, you'll probably dig Yellowstone. I started watching it for the first time this past spring, and I sped through season one. Then it took me a while to get through the first half of season two, but after that, I really got into it, and I quickly binged the rest of that and season three. And then there was this cliffhanger at the end of the last season, an attack of the sort that 
you know, sort of makes you wonder who lived and who died. And all that will be answered on Sunday. They have killed quite a few people on the show along the way. So technically, I guess anyone could go. But Hollywood logic kind of dictates that the main characters would be safe. And we'll find out. It looks like they're releasing the first two episodes of the season this Sunday on Amazon Prime Video. And uh, it'll be 10, season, 10 episodes total for the season, I believe. And I'm looking forward to it. I know a lot of people are. I know. I got to get on that. It's just... One of so many shows on the list that I need to try to get to. Just got to chip away at them and hopefully can uh, get out from all the TV shows I'm drowning in. But uh, well, Sunday Sunday night has become just this. It was like three weeks ago there was nothing, and now it's there's like four hours of TV for us to watch, Brent. What are we going to do? Succession. I, I, I can't watch it. Yeah, Curb. Oh, yeah. And now Dexter and now Yellowstone. So, I mean, I can't get to all of it on Sunday night, that's for sure. So, which is a bit of a relief because then. If I can't get to all of it, maybe I don't have to get to any of it on Sunday night. I can just relax and watch The Fugitive again or something. <laughs> the Fugitive. You watch The Fugitive, I'll watch The Matrix, and yeah. uh, everyone's happy. Uh, but then there's another one coming, I guess not this month. It's next month, right, right from the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah, our first look we got this week at the upcoming Star Wars show on Disney+. Plus. I am not a bounty hunter. I've heard otherwise. It's the book of Boba Fett. It comes out near the end of December and follows the adventures of everyone's favorite bounty hunter, or I guess ex-bounty hunter now, because the show picks up where the Mandalorian left off with Fett, him sitting on the throne of the recently vanquished Jabba the Hutt, and it's Fett's time to rule now. I know that you sit on the throne of your former employer. Jabba ruled with fear. I intend to rule with respect. You were all once captains under Jabba the Hutt. I'm here to make a proposal that's mutually beneficial. Why speak of conflict? When cooperation can make us all rich. Tamira Morrison returns as Fett. He first played the role, sort of, in Star Wars Episode II, Attack of the Clones, although there he played Boba Fett's father, Jango Fett. Ming-Na Wen, back from The Mandalorian, as Fett's right-hand woman, Fennec. And since it's set on Tatooine like so many Star Wars things are, I'm sure we'll see a lot of familiar faces and creatures from the past as well. The Book of Boba Fett debuts on Disney Plus on December 29th. <laughs> What prevents us all from killing you and taking what we want? If you had spoken such insolence to Jabba, he'd have fed you to his menagerie. Please, speak freely. Looks pretty cool. I'm excited. It does look pretty cool. It's weird, though, because this is, what, the first live-action Star Wars thing since season two of Mandalorian, but there were, like, three Marvel shows this year. Why, uh, you would think they would be cranking out the Star Wars ones a little bit more frequently somehow, no? Yeah, they did have that Star Wars The Bad Batch in there, and I think with those Marvel shows, they I think they had some of those in the can already, um, yeah, if true. memory serves. but uh, And maybe they just wanted to stay out of the way. Like they, they, Disney Plus made their big splash with The Mandalorian, right? And 
And then they,、uh, they cleared a Mandalorian sort of cleared a path for the Marvel TV shows to take flight, especially since they had no movies to show during the pandemic. But、uh, I'm excited to get back to the Star、yep. Wars stuff. Their TV shows have been great. Yeah, The Mandalorian's been fantastic. So this looks like it'll be obviously a worthy spinoff, and everybody loves Boba Fett, right? All right. In a moment, we're going to tell you what's new at the movies this weekend. I referenced that Marvel could be looking at a failure. That might be an exaggeration, but I'll explain in a moment. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. New on the big screen this week. It is the latest from Marvel. And for the first time in a long time, we have a Marvel film that is not quite as critically acclaimed as they would like. It's Eternals. Five years ago, Thanos erased half of the population of the universe. But the people of this planet brought everyone back with a snap of a finger. The sudden return of the population. Provided the necessary energy for the emergence to begin. How long do we have? Seven days. All right, so who are the Eternals? Much like the Guardians of the Galaxy when that was first announced, I knew nothing about the Eternals. The trailer revealed a bit more of their story. First off, the Eternals, they're old. Thor used to follow me around when he was a little kid. Now he's a famous Avenger and won't return my calls. <laughs> Their story spans thousands of years. They're immortal. We see them in the trailer arrive on this massive ship that looks like a stealth bomber, but as though it was carved out of granite. We're Eternals. We came here 7,000 years ago. To protect humans from the deviants. Why didn't you guys help fight Thanos or any war or all the other terrible things throughout history? We were instructed not to interfere in any human conflicts unless deviants are involved. By who? So they are super powerful. So, where indeed were they during the Infinity War? Well, as you heard, they've been kept, they've been keeping to themselves more or less, but now they have to emerge from the shadows to take on the Deviants. Background from Den of Geek says the Eternals were created by the Celestials to protect themselves and their experiments on Earth. One of the groups they were designed to protect against is the Deviants, a product of the same experimentation that the Celestials used to create the Eternals. However, Unlike Eternals, deviants evolve. For years, we have watched and seen them accomplish wonders. But we have never interfered until now. Eternals, the end of one era is the beginning of another. The 
The movie is directed by this year's best director at the Oscars, Chloe Zhao, and has a stellar cast, including Angelina Jolie and Salma Hayek as a couple of the Eternals. From Game of Thrones, Rob Stark, actor Richard Madden. He plays an Eternal who's like Superman. He flies super strong, shoots lasers out of his eyes. Gemma Chan is in it, and Kumail Nanjiani. Jon Snow is in it, too, actor Kit Harington. He's not an Eternal, but his character's name is Dane Whitman, who is another hero from the Marvel Universe we've yet to meet, the Black Knight I think it looks cool, but it's got a 53% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Jeff, are you going to see Eternals? I already have my tickets. I'm going Monday night. And uh, I got the recliner theater because uh, this movie is two hours and 37 minutes long, which seems ridiculous for a superhero movie. But uh, that's that's the way she rolls now until... I can't wait until we get the trend where 90-minute movies are back in fashion. But yeah, until then, nice long movie. Yeah, so now keep in mind with the 53%, of course, with all these movies, they cherry-pick the good ones for their commercials, but some have said it's epic. It's unlike anything you've ever seen. It's visually stunning. So I'm going to go check this out for myself. If for no other reason than I'm a completist, I can't not go see a Marvel movie. I can't let them fall out of order. I must... Watch this one because we got Spider-Man coming out in December, so I only have a month to get on this one. So Eternals is this weekend, and in a moment, we're going to tell you about another movie that's out this weekend that really surprised me when I watched the trailer. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are The Couch Potatoes. We're telling you what's new at the movies this weekend. We already talked about Eternals, the latest from Marvel, also new in theaters this week. Is she here yet? Not yet, ma'am, no. Then she's late. Yes, she is late. The name of the movie is Spencer, and the woman who is late is Princess Diana, born Diana Frances Spencer. She's played in this by Kristen Stewart after Emma Corrin was nominated for an Emmy for playing the princess in season four of The Crown on Netflix. The movie takes place over a royal family Christmas gathering for a few days at the Queen's Sandringham estate. And her marriage, Princess Diana's marriage with Prince Charles, has gone cold. And she is not happy with her life. Diana, they can't change. You have to change. You have to be able to do things you hate. You hate? There has to be two of you. It's the real one (laughs) and the one they take pictures of. For the good of the country. Of the country. There are rumors of affairs. A divorce is looming. There's eating, drinking, shooting, and hunting. She knows the role she's supposed to play, but this time, this particular Christmas gathering, it's going to be different. Now, the movie tries to imagine what those few days would have been like. 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's said not to be a perfect film, but Stewart is getting excellent reviews. So, And I think that's what surprised me about this one, Jeff, is I'm not surprised that Kristen Stewart looks like she fits the role. She's a good actor. I guess I still have that whole Twilight thing. Like this, For her and yeah. for Robert Pattinson, I still kind of see them like Twilight, but I think uh, this movie, if there's any of that lingering for anybody, I think this movie is going to break her out of that at long last. That's good because I, I'm someone who needs for her to be broken out of that for me because I'm just like you. Like I look at her and it's like, oh, it's the sad girl from Twilight. And same with Robert Pattinson. And so the Batman next year will hopefully go a long way to changing that. I guess 
Tenet sort of did a little bit, but we didn't really like Tenet either, so <laughs> that didn't really help. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's getting Oscar buzz for this movie, and so um, I would I would like to check this one out. I don't know if I'm going to have time to, but maybe in the next couple of weeks I can get to it. All right, so those are the new movies, but you went and checked out one that came out last week. I did go to the movies. The man who brought us The Royal Tenenbaums, The Grand Budapest Hotel and Moonrise Kingdom has a new movie in theaters right now. It's called The French Dispatch. Let us take a sightseeing tour. Discover the world of The French Dispatch. Bit of sports, bit of crime, bit of politics. It's a rocket ship ride to your cinematic soul. Do students of the table dream in flavors? Positively exuberant with stars of the silver screen. Physically or metaphorically? Both. It's Wes Anderson's most innovative and beautiful movie yet. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes. The French Dispatch. Rated R. The movie has an all-star cast. Too many to list, really. I will mention some of the bigger names as we go, because frankly, most of the actors have very little screen time. Sir Ronan, for example, is in this movie. She is one of the best actors on the planet right now, and she has maybe three lines. So the French Dispatch, as we heard in the commercial there, is from Wes Anderson, and it's maybe the most Wes Anderson-y of all his movies yet. Suffice to say, if you were even a little bit irritated by the Grand Budapest Hotel, you're not going to like the French Dispatch. Now, I loved the Grand Budapest Hotel, but I did find this movie exhausting. It has all his trademarks. All the sets look like you know, grown-up uh, full-size dollhouses or dioramas. Everything is just so. It's twee and whimsical, and it's all very stagey. There's not much here that resembles reality in any ways. It looks like a fairy tale. And some of that is good, and a lot of it here is simply too much, I thought. He's taken the success of many of the things that made Grand Budapest Hotels and his other movies great and cranked the dial to 11. The structure of the story, for example, is not very straightforward. The French Dispatch is the name of a magazine, a newspaper supplement in a Kansas paper that's been made by the publisher's son in France for 50 years, from 1925 to 1975. That publisher's son is played by Bill Murray. And the movie is about the last issue of the magazine, I think. I will also admit the movie is so fast-paced that some details have slipped right by me. The movie is set up like a magazine. There's a collection of short stories, or short films, of course, in this case, and some scenes that link them together. And There are some short, short stories, like an opening one where Owen Wilson lays out the history of the town in France where the magazine is set. And then there are a couple of longer short stories that follow. And in between, we check in with Murray as he checks in with the various writers of these stories. One story has to do with a prisoner played by Benicio del Toro, who is an artist and the art world's attempts to get their hands on his works. Uh, that story also stars uh, current Bond girl Lea Seydoux, as well as Tilda Swinton, Adrian Brody, and the Fonz, Henry Winkler. Another involves Timothy Chalamet as a student activist and Francis McDormand as the writer covering his crusade. And there's one with Jeffrey Wright that's uh, about a chef who helps the police commissioner get his kidnapped son back from Edward Norton, who plays a bad guy. And I thought the big problem with all of this is that each story is its own little world, and Wes Anderson loves to dive into deep, deep detail when he creates a new world. In most of his movies, that is an awesome thing and an appreciated thing, and we get to enjoy the bit of setup at the front of the movie and then watch the plot play out over 90 minutes. Here, we get that setup, but every 20 minutes, it all resets, and we have to get another whole setup, and I was really struggling to keep my head above water trying to catch 
just the deluge of detail that was coming in. Uh, I think it's really a pacing issue. You don't get time to really catch your breath because it's just a constant barrage of new and dense information. Like, let's say there was a character named Sarah and she had a brother named David. And instead of simply saying, this is Sarah's brother, David, with Wes Anderson, it's always, this is Sarah's brother, Dave, who enjoys painting landscapes in the autumn, eating green beans on odd number days and singing selected excerpts from Pagliotti when the moon is waning in a gibbous form. It's just, it's just so much all at once. A lot of it's just for the fun of it to, <laughs> for Anderson to amuse himself, I think. Uh, it's like that for an hour and 45 straight minutes. And I found myself, you know, just checking out a lot of the time because it's just overwhelming, Brett. It's, it was too much. <laughs> and the film also flits back and forth from black and white to color. And the racial perspective changes several times. It's just everything all at once crammed into one single movie. It was just it was too much. And some of the too much, you know, it was good, though. The production design and the costumes and the shot compositions are all incredibly detailed. There's a lot going on in every single frame. So you could admire the artistry and the craftsmanship and the visual style, even if the story doesn't do it for you. I, I do think a rewatch will go a long way into making me enjoy this a bit more. But having to watch a, a movie twice to get it still isn't a great endorsement, I don't think. But if you're adventurous in your movie going, it is definitely worth a look. I will give the French Dispatch three couch cushions out of five, Brett. Wow. That yeah. sounds like it was a, a hurricane. It was. It's just, it's, and it was weird because the movie ends and the credits, there's not scenes in the credits, but there's detailed animations or whatever. And I was just like, I'm out of here. I got up to go. Not one other person got got up. Everyone just sat and watched all through the credits because I, I got to the back of the theater and was like, am I missing something? Well, how come no one else is following me out the door here? But uh, I think people were just like stunned by what they had seen. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to have movies that are different than a regular movie. But uh, this one was just... Uh, just blasted me too hard. I couldn't. I just couldn't keep up with it. You rewatched something else, didn't you? Yeah, I also saw Dune a second time this week, and I loved it even more than I did the first time. I gave it a four and a half couch cushions out of five when I reviewed it two weeks ago. I could follow it the first time, but most of my effort, you know, was put into following it this time because I'd already, you know, had the lay of the land story wise. I could just further further appreciate the style of the film, especially the Hans Zimmer score and the sound design. Uh, my goodness, this is easily one of the best sounding films I've ever seen. Uh, don't sleep on Dune, everybody. You absolutely want to see this one in a movie theater. And I'll point out that this time I, I saw it with uh, two 14-year-old boys. I took my girlfriend's son and his one of his buddies, and they just loved it. I wasn't. I thought maybe this would be kind of a little bit too slow for them, but no, they were really into it. And again, that's a long movie, but it's, it's paced really well. It actually just flies by. So uh, two more thumbs up for Dune. I, I, it's my favorite movie of the year so far. Cool. Okay, well, I got to add that to the list as well. I did go see Halloween Kills this week, uh, finally. Better late than never, I suppose. Happy belated Halloween. But um, <laughs> it did not get nearly as good reviews as the first one. Like, the first one wasn't a like a critical slam dunk or whatever, but the second one got much worse reviews. I found it had excellent tension and suspense, wow. and I think they did a better job in this one than the, the 2019 Halloween. But um, the violence... I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if this is me just getting older because I'm sure teenage Brett would have been all over the vicious kills in this one. But I think it's just the tone of the movie. Like when you watch, you referenced Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives. That's a silly yeah. movie. 
right? Like that's yeah. a silly movie that knows it's silly, so the gore kind of fits. But this one was trying to be genuinely scary and suspenseful. So having these like really graphic, brutal killings. I know that's Michael Myers' thing, but just having the it all just so visceral. I don't know. It's, it kind of took me out of the movie at times. I just feel like it's a movie that's trying to be all things to all people. It's suspenseful. It's brutally violent. It's gory. Uh, but I still dug it, and I loved the ending, and I am excited to see how they wrap it up next year with Halloween Ends. In a moment, we got to talk about the return of the social assassin. He's already been here for a couple of weeks. I forgot about him for a week. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brad, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes. I mentioned I saw Halloween Kills. I forgot to give it a rating. I will give Halloween Kills three couch cushions out of five. It was not great, and it had a lot of parts that really, I thought, like, this is so dumb! Just classic horror movie tropes. Like, just shoot him in the head! But uh, anyway, it's a horror movie. It wouldn't be a horror movie if people did things that made sense. So there you go. Now, we're a couple of episodes into the 11th season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Stop gossiping about my towels. If your towels weren't so ratty, I wouldn't have to talk about them. You want to talk about me? Fine. You want to talk about my relationships? Fine. Do not discuss my towels. Angel Muffin. Come say hi to Larry. Angel Muffin? That's her name? His name. Him! Him! (laughs) There's no gender to angels or muffins. Curb Your Enthusiasm, still great after all these years. I've been laughing a lot through uh, the first couple of episodes. It's been 20 years. I I guess Larry David looks older, but not really. But also, how weird. I had to look up his age. How weird is it for a show starring a man in his 50s to run for 20 years, and he's now in his 70s? I don't know that we've ever seen that before. There have been uh, so many great moments just over you know these first two episodes, Brett. There was uh, Leon and the Mary Ferguson thing where... Leon wants to take his girlfriend, Mary Ferguson, on a trip to Asia, but then they break up. But instead of it's too hard to change the plane ticket. So he just looks for another woman named Mary Ferguson to take on the trip, which is this is the kind of demented genius we love to love from the show. Uh, Albert Brooks is in the first episode. Now, he's the brother in real life of the late, great Bob Einstein, who played Marty Funkhauser on the show. So that was a nice little homage there, bringing in the brother, Albert Brooks, who fit in great. I hope we see more of him. Uh, There was one thing in the last episode where a lady sits in the middle seat of a little bench in the dentist's waiting room. It's a three-seat bench, and she chooses the middle, and Larry just looks at her and is like, really? You're going to sit in the middle? Because, you know, you would sit on this one of the two sides so someone else could sit there and years ago that would be a whole episode now it's just a throwaway line at the end of a scene about something else uh, we heard in the clip there the dog named angel muffin and how larry refused to say that out loud there was a thing about uh plopping onto a couch plopping did you plop or did you not plop and the spilt wine on the cushion that sort of thing and walking through glass doors which is never not funny and some of the repercussions of that i don't know brett there's been so much stuff just already and stuffed into two episodes it's been a blast so far i only watched the first episode but i was howling loved it very much enjoyed it happy to see curb your enthusiasm has returned to tv and i gotta get on that second episode asap because i don't want to end up falling behind on that but uh I imagine you're probably falling behind on a few things because <laughs> I can't believe Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's happened again. I'm revisiting one of my very favorite shows of all time. We got to go back. I'm rewatching Lost. <laughs> See, we did crash. But it was on this crazy island. And we waited for rescue, and there wasn't a rescue. And then there was a smoke monster. 
And then there were other people on the island. We called them the others. And they started attacking us. And we found some hatches and there was a button you had to push every 180 minutes or... Well, I was never really clear on that. Hurley breaking down the plot of the show in which a plane full of strangers crashes on a mysterious island and have to survive the elements, the freaky things that only happen on that island, each other, and their pasts. It ran for six glorious seasons on ABC from 2004 to 2010, and it's my favorite TV viewing experience of all time. And that that's what's, you know, lost in the rewatch. You can't replicate the magic of the initial experience, and of course that initial experience was also shaded by the nature of television viewing at the time it was a broadcast tv show one episode a week and off fall summer and it's you know a cliffhanger so show so each episode would end you leaving you hanging and you just have to wait and wait and wait to find out what happened next my girlfriend and her kids are watching it now for the first time for all of them and they are loving it by the way but they're not getting the full experience because they didn't have to wait you know four months after Locke blew open the hatch to see what was inside of it the flip side of course is that they're not spending a lot of time coming up with theories and questions and that sort of thing expectations so they likely won't be disappointed that the show doesn't go the way that they hoped it would like happen for so many of us back in the day and that's the real legacy that Lost left behind that people were so into the show that there would be backlash when the show zigged when people wanted it to zag and Lost also you know wrapped up when social media really started ramping up so sadly it was kind of at the forefront of this toxic fandom that you see sometimes as far as TV shows are concerned people you know raging against the finale and that sort of thing as far as my rewatch goes I'm a little surprised at how fresh it still feels and just how good and ambitious the show was uh, it's a giant ensemble cast mostly shooting outside in the jungle in hawaii kind of a dream job but a huge pain in the butt production wise to not be in a studio where you can control everything uh, you know lost was a big hit and it launched a ton of clone shows because everyone thought people wanted to see these puzzle box shows that just keep throwing mysteries at you but the real success of lost and the reason all those clone shows miserably failed was you know the characters like yes we enjoyed all the action and the mysteries but the characters are the heart of the show and lost spent more time on character stories than it did on the sci-fi stuff and the characters all still resonate so i've almost finished season two now of uh re-watching for maybe two weeks uh, i'm not i'm not trying to rip through it but it's usually just what happens. I mean, last time I watched it, Brett, I, I went through all six seasons in five weeks. I won't get through it that quickly this time. I'm going to start sort of going at the same pace that my girlfriend and her kids are going so I can talk with them about it as I go through. Lost. That's all the time we have. Beautiful. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. <laughs>